I'm learning to express the longings in a way that if the longings come from God, and we're going to talk some more about longings today, but if those longings come from God, what good does it do for me to just bottle them up? I need to express the longings in a way that if he's put a longing in my heart, he must be wanting to do something with that. And so I just want to just quickly pray a minute that, Father, I thank you that you are going to give us the tired and the weary. That you are going to make us, Living Grace Ministries, and the people here, instruments of the breath of life into those who are tired and weary. I thank you that you're going to give us the sick and the lame and to make us instrumental in their healing and their placement in divine health. I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to strive to hold on to our peace of your heart, but that we can be fully confident that we cannot outgive your presence in our lives. And so, Lord, I know that you're going to use us to give away your heart through us. And I thank you that you have taken the axe to the root of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in our life. That it is no more. That we are free because of the tree of life. Jesus himself. And I declare this over us in the name of the Lord. Amen. Wow. That was my sermon. I'm done. We can go home now. Oh, thank you, Lord. So, we're living out of our heart. That's where we've been. And, if, you know, and it's been a kind of a week on, week off. Week on, week off. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, we started this four weeks ago. We, we did one. Then we had the power outage. And then we did the bishop. And now we're back to this. No, we did a second one in there. And then we had the power outage. I don't know, somewhere in there. It's all confusing to me. But you know what? It's okay. Because it is at the pace that the Lord wants it to be. Um, and so we started out a few weeks ago. We, were, we, we started talking about David and, and some things about David and the covenant and how the first part about living out of the heart is to realize we live out of a covenant. And that's the covenant that Jesus made with his father. You know, religion, that old-time religion, says we make the covenant when we accept Jesus. And that until that point in time, there really is no benefit till we step in and say, I surrender. But the covenant was made before that. So really, it's not about me making the covenant with Jesus, but it's about me accepting the benefits of the covenant he made with his father. And if I don't have that solidified, I am going to struggle living out of my heart. Because it's in the place of the heart that the Spirit of God connects to us. And so if I'm thinking I have to strive, if I have to do, if I have to, I have to, I have to, I've put a barrier between God and me in that covenant. Now, the news is, he's going to come blow that barrier up someday, somehow, some way. Because he's not going to let me live with a barrier between him and me. But it does delay and slows my responses down. It slows down my ability to hear. 
And instead of getting it when he whispers to my ear, he might have to send five or six people to say, hey, what about this? But he always does. He's always working. And so the first thing is covenant. I should write that down because otherwise I'll forget. Thank you. Covenant. We need to be mindful of covenant. And as we become more mindful of the covenant that Jesus did with the Father on our behalf and that it's not about us, we can begin to relax. Think back five years ago, four years ago, before you started to understand the depth of covenant. How many of you really relaxed in the presence of God? If you did, it took a while to be able to get there, didn't it? usually took 30 minutes of worship, 45 minutes of worship, just to be able to go, <sighs> today, first worship song. <sighs> it's just that much difference as you begin to understand it's not about what you did, it's about what He's already done, and that it's an ongoing, ever-present unwrapping of what He has done in our lives today. I'm not going to just stop right here, but I won't. <laughs> And we talked about how David had this understanding that in his covenant with Jonathan, that there, that creates a longing to express that covenant, right? He went out and he looked for someone who he could bless in Jonathan's line because he still had it in him. I have this longing to honor my friend Jonathan, my brother Jonathan, who I covenanted with. I need to express that longing. We saw that, Mephibosheth, God and Jesus, Father and the Father and Jesus, they're sitting there going, who can we bless with our covenant today? And the Holy Spirit goes, there's Terry, there's Diane, there's John. Come on down. No, don't come down, I'll come to you. I'm coming down. And you see, there's this longing that is created by a covenant to express, to express the Father's heart in us, to express the Father's heart to every single person. And that's why Jesus came and said, it is finished. I have set up every single person to know my covenant and to know the love that's based on. And in worship today, I was thinking about all of those people who don't know that and how there's so many people are in, in a church service today going, God, what can I do to make you love me? And I want to cry about that. And so the depth of that longing in me is beginning to grow, which tells me there's, there's a date, as it begins to grow, the day of expression is even sooner. And by that I mean those who will come that don't know the fullness of the covenant will come. If you teach Him, speak Him, live Him, they will come. To paraphrase from a movie of many years ago, probably decades ago now. And so part of what we have been doing, sort of covertly, if you will, or undercover the last few years, is solidifying all of this in us. So that when they do come, there's something about when we know that we know that we know that people will know the genuineness of that. And part of living out of the heart we'll get to later is 
there's a point in time when we come to know that we know that we know. And it's not head knowledge, it's Spirit of God knowledge unfolding in us. I have always known from the first day I encountered, consciously encountered Jesus 26 years ago, that God has had my back. I've known that, and nobody can convince me otherwise of that. And that's one of those first things he ever spoke to me is, I got it, I got you. And that's even when I was learning to be legalistic. And there's, those are the th- things that become more prominent in our lives. And then we also talked about living by the Spirit, living, living out of our heart requires us to understand grace then because the covenant is the, is the formation of it, but the grace is the manifestation of it. In this grace, we have mercy, compassion, Love all expressed, and it is all about Jesus. How many people will be in a service somewhere in the world today that that they don't even hear the name Jesus mentioned? That's sad, but it happens every day. Every Sunday, people go, and they don't even hear about Jesus. I can't remember the last time we've had a sermon or, or a message where Jesus hasn't been at least mentioned once. Why? Because the covenant makes no sense if we don't understand the expression of it. How can I understand what Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit have done out of their love in terms of covenanting us for us and longing for us if I don't understand that it manifests through Jesus? And so then it sort of creates the question in our minds, who's Jesus? And we've been pursuing in the last few years, who is Jesus? What has he done? What's the finished works of Jesus? And part of that grace and that mercy creates the next part about living out of our heart, and that's to understand our identity. The board keeps moving, so if they look like the letters are moving, they are. Who are you? If you want to live out of the heart, out of full connectedness to the Spirit of God, living by the Spirit of God, you have to know who you are. You are not a worm. But how many people will hear that today? Tugs on my heart, to be honest with you. Because I know people in my own family are going to hear that today. And it sobers me up to a degree. When I start feeling sorry for myself, I think about all of those who don't even know who they are. And I go, God, give them the vision of who they are. Because I know they're in the covenant. I know His grace is working in them. I know that their spirit receives from the Holy Spirit because He's given them everything they need for life and godliness. So Lord, turn on the light bulb. And we can say that for any person out there that is struggling today, Lord. Turn on the light bulb. And part of once we begin to understand our identity, part of that creates the capacity for us to believe. Is he who he says he is? Am I who he says he is? Has he done what he says he's going to do? 
Is it true that he'll never leave me or forsake me? God, in the midst of the fiery furnace, are you there? Of course. Lord, in the midst of some broken family relationships, are you there? I am. Lord, in the midst of people crying out in desperation today, are you there? I am. And this is just part of what we've been expressing in our teachings the last couple of years in terms of ultimately getting to this place when in our heart we know that we know that we know. So that then when the Spirit of God goes, Gary, go talk to so-and-so down the street, you go, of course, Lord. Because you know that as much as He favors you, He also favors them. And He wants to use you to release favor in them. And so we overcome the hesitation as we believe. And the more He demonstrates Himself faithful, the greater our sense of belief where we can't be shaken. It is a growth process. It's different than what we were taught about we have to pull the weeds. We have to water. We have to fertilize. The next time I speak fertilization up here, it better not be about anything other than Jesus fertilizing. Right? And then as we believe, then we come to a level of understanding, not just about who we are, but then there's a level of understanding that you are a new creation which means you do not eat out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you don't have to you might choose to but you don't have to i i really have pondered new creation a lot lately because if i am truly a new creation that means that the axe was literally taken to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in my life and i do not draw from it anymore and so when someone in the world comes and goes you know, you should probably do X, Y, Z. But that will make me feel bad. No, I'm a new creation. I'm not going down that road. I'm trying to think of a good example of X, Y, Z. What would be a good example? You know, you should rip that person's head off because they have been talking badly about you. Terry, you're a lawyer. You can tear them down real quick. Go to it. No, I don't need to do that. I don't need to embarrass someone. I don't need to make them feel bad. I don't need to make them feel shamed. I don't need to make them. I don't need to. I don't need to because I'm a new creation. Mm -hmm. And so are they. Mm -hmm. So my words should be encouraging and lifting up, not tearing down. But the world tells us, be all that you can be, even if it means running over somebody in the process. And understanding that we are a new creation means that we have permission to explore our longings and our emotions. You know, God has emotions. Do you know that? God has emotions. He loves you. 
God has longings. He longs to be with you. He longs to be in communication and fellowship. But you see, we tend not to want to think about God having emotions and longings because that means we then have to get in touch with ours. So God, I'm going to put you out here. I'm going to keep you at bay because I don't want to deal with what's here. But the reality is, He's already here, so when I accept the fact that He's made a covenant and in His grace and mercy, He's taken up residence here, He's already got His longings in me, He's already looking at the things that He wants to say, let's talk about this. Because you know those longings, I've given them to you. But if I don't realize that those longings come from God, and I realize, and if I think I have to make them happen, I'm going to go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in someone else's life and try to pick the fruit. But it's dead on the seashore, so it's rotten anyway. Right? Is that making any sense? I haven't even got to this, the fresh stuff. I'm just recapping because it's been like on, off, on, off, and I just want to get back on. So this is kind of the setup for where we're going to go because we started looking at longings a couple weeks ago and emotions. And I want to come back there. And I think I left off last time. I, I think I took us through some of the Mike Bickle and I took uh, longings and I took us through Larry Crabb and some of those dis- discussion points about that. And the first of, this, of the, the messages is on the website. The, the last one two weeks ago, I hope to get on the website by next week. But I, so I kind of want to pick up there. And we started moving towards discussing some of Sheila Walsh's work on longings. Remember Sheila? Sheila Walsh from the 700 Club and singer. And, and she, you know she's written this book called The Longing in Me. And I recommend it. And as I think I told you, it's written from a, um, a perspective of a woman to woman. But guys, there's so much truth in this book. I would, I'm, I'm like, Wow. Because, you know, men have longings, women have longings, and they're all from God. And she's really candid about her life in this book. I mean, she's pretty forthcoming and open. But she started out, I I think I gave you the quote from George Eliot, it seems to me we can never give up longing and wishing while we are thoroughly alive. There are certain things we feel to be beautiful and good, and we must hunger after them. Who puts the longing in our heart? God does. And they are pure. We, though, can take that longing and choose an unpure expression of it. And what I mean by that is I can choose to understand that I have value but I can start dictating my value over you, and that would be an impure, improper expression of my value. And so God gives us these longings, and if we are disconnected from the Spirit of God, the risk is, if we're not paying attention to these things, the risk is I take the matter into my own hand and I express it. And one of the biggest examples is Abraham waiting for Isaac to come, he creates an Ishmael. The longing was to be that father of the many nations and to have a natural son even late in life. But he didn't wait on God because one of the lessons of that is the true expression of the longing has to be God-initiated. 
or it's going to fall flat and then we're going to be frustrated. We might even be angry. We might even be go, God, where were you? <laughs> I'm right here. You just chose to go without me, in a sense. Not that you can actually go without him, but you made, made a choice to exclude him in the moment. And isn't that what Abraham did with Ishmael? He made a choice to exclude God from the expression of the longing at that moment. I know better than God. No, the reality was, I am so tired of waiting, God. I'm going to accelerate this for you. I mean, that's really what it was, right? God, it's been 15 years. Don't you think that's long enough? God's going, well, no, not really, because we haven't got to my point in the plan yet. But he dis- the longing, the, the desire for the expression of the longing overrode some of these other things that he knew to be true. And, some, and that's what happens when, when we have longings and we have emotions that we're, we just so need to get out. But the question is, do we really need to get them out at that moment if God isn't in it? Maybe he wants to process it more with us. Are we patient enough in who we are, in our understanding of who we are, to realize that if God says not right now, that it must be even that much better later? Do I want to, do I want to abort the joy that I'm going to feel when it's His timing by taking matters into my own hands? That's a tough balance, wouldn't you say? Because so many of us see things going on in our lives and we want to step in and we want to talk about it or we want to influence. But if we do it at the wrong moment, we may push someone further away from awareness of God than closer to. We may push ourselves back a step and then have to recover and come back forward. I'm not saying any of this is easy. I'm not saying that living that life out of our heart and in connection to the Spirit of God is easy. But what I am saying, it is doable. But it requires us to get rid of the thinking that came from living under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I was reading something this week, and and part of what it was talking about, and and it's actually part of C.S. Lewis's writings, God destroyed the Adamic nature but man has continued to teach it for 2,000 years. So our children get indoctrinated, as we got indoctrinated, with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right out of the box, even though it's been destroyed, we taught, we've been taught to live out of it. So when we come to the awareness of covenant and grace and identity and belief and new creation, Later in life, it takes a little bit longer for some of us to undo the old because we've been indoctrinated for so long. Teaching, what's one of the functions of teaching? It's to create a memory. Why do athletes train the same way every time? Muscle memory. So that they don't even have to think. They go when it's when when it's their time to, to go. And so that's what happens to us, you know, as we have lived in the world, which also 
incorporates the tree of the knowledge of good and evil kind of concepts, even though the tree is dead, those concepts haven't been destroyed because man keeps reviving them. What was dead on the seashore, we keep breathing back into. And for those who are listening today, and not, that's a reference to the Mike Miller teaching we're doing on Thursday, where God said he has killed those things. They shouldn't be influences in our lives anymore, but we pick them up and breathe back into them. Because we didn't know any better. It's not, don't be, take that as guilt or shame or condemnation. I just didn't know any better. But the more I'm beginning to understand living out of the heart, living out of the Spirit of God, the more I realize I don't need to be controlled by those things because they are literally dead. So Lord, change my responses. And then we, we also talked on the last time we were together, I read you the, the T.S. Eliot quote. This is, we shall not cease from exploration and the end of all of our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. And I love that quote because it's about, you know, we can go into God's heart time after time after time and it's fresh and it's new and it's exciting because he has so much to share and he cares so much about us that he wants to share. There isn't one person alive that he doesn't want to share with and I don't care what they did 10 minutes ago he wants to share with them so buckle up here we go that was all the warm up if you would close your eyes for a moment I'm not ordering you to I'm asking you to And ask God to show you a longing that's there. How many of you have got something? Raise your hand if you got something. Okay. Sometimes it comes that fast. Sometimes it takes time to sort out because we have a lot going on in our head but in our heart is where these longings and our we talked about a couple of weeks ago our heart is not the organ it's the gut <coughs> scripture talks about the heart is the gut we talked about that vagus nerve that runs up the left side of your body from your digestive system to your brain and that's that influence where your emotions are actually stored mostly in your gut gee is it any wonder why people get upset it's their digestive system that usually is the first to experience it. And all of these cells in here store our emotions. And it sends impulses up that nerve to the, to the center of the brain that monitors, and that tells our brain how we feel. And so sometimes when we're just in the midst of an anxious moment, a stressful moment, we lose connection with those longings that are here because other parts of what's going on is, is firing faster to the brain. And so our awareness is a little delayed on longings. But every one of us has a longing. How many of you have a longing to see Jesus face to face? Every one of us has a longing. And actually the reality is we have multiple longings because he puts them there. And he puts the emotions there. And I told you last time, longings and emotions are not bad 
They're neither good nor bad. They just are. It's what we choose to do with them that can reflect positive or negative. I can choose, as we said a moment ago, to pursue a longing in the wrong way. I can, I can choose to respond to an emotion the wrong way. I can get angry and I can take your head off. Or I can get angry and go, God, what's this all about? Let me, let me back up while I figure out why. And I go to God and I ask. And so, and, and I, and I reemphasize this because I was taught growing up in a church Ignore your emotions. Dangerous concept. Because if they're from God, they must have a purpose. What do you think is the purpose of longings and emotions? To woo you to Jesus. Every emotion, every longing has a Jesus component with it. But if we don't understand that, if we're taught that emotions are bad, we're not going to see Jesus in our emotions. If we're talking longing and desires are things of the flesh, we're not going to see Jesus in them. Anybody taught longings and desires were just of the flesh and you had to crucify them? I was taught that. But I will tell you that that's the setup for me understanding today. If I hadn't experienced that, I'd have a more difficult understanding that they do have value. Because what, I, what that taught me was they do exist. The only answer, the question then is what am I going to do with them? I can try to crucify them. But if I'm trying to crucify something that God has given me, what do you think about my frustration level? Ding, 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 ding. I just pegged it off the board. But when I embrace the fact that there are longings and emotions that, and, and desires that come from God and they are not good and they are not bad, they just are because they're designed to point me to Jesus, then the only question is, how do I express them? Jesus, how do, how do I express these? Holy Spirit, if these point me to Jesus, I am angry right now. How does that point me to Jesus? Well, Terry, if you stop and you look at the situation and you realize that that person is created in my image and likeness and I'm just trying to reach them as well, take a breath. Oh, okay. Anger starts to calm. Peace starts to come in. Now what do I do, Lord? Well, go say this. We all have those moments. We all have the capacity to go, time out, Jesus, what's this all about? But we also have the capacity to run past the timeout Jesus and go, Arr! choose life, choose death. See, we're not on autopilot, guys. We do have choices we can make. We can choose to see where Jesus is in the midst of the longing or the emotion, even what the world calls a negative emotion. We can still look for Jesus in it. Right? How I many you want to find Jesus in the midst of your roughest days? I got news for you. He's right here. Take a look at John chapter 15 a minute, would you? And actually, when you get there, stick your finger there because I want to go to 2 Corinthians first. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. And I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation because I think this helps solidify some things. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. See, when we're talking about this new creation concept, the old is gone. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did 10 years ago. It doesn't matter what happened to you 30 years ago. The old is gone. Yes, and His mercies are new every morning. So every morning we can say the old is gone. My old life is history. And God isn't bringing up my history. Now, I may want to go to histrionics, but God is not taking me there. Two of you got that. I'm I'm impressed. (laughs) So one of the things is, is as we're moving into this place of living out of the heart, is we really is we begin to grip this fact that we're a new creation, as we more and more embrace this, we will have a greater understanding of the longing in our hearts. And it's in the longing in our hearts that we become more familiar with Jesus. We'll pick this up in a few weeks as we move into further examination of these things. But we'll stop here for today.